Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding. John is here with us again today, and we have a special guest, Ravi, from Microsoft, who is a product lead of Microsoft Clarity, and I think we're going to get into some GPT or just some stuff that is probably way beyond my uh, my expertise and knowledge, but Ravi, welcome to, uh, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Well, thank you, Brad, and nice to see you again, John. Nice to see you too, Ravi. All right, well, John, we got a full deck here teed up, so I'm just going to hand it over to you so we can start getting into some of these uh, deep insights and you know, the, the chat GPT, which I'm sure, Ravi, you, uh, is flooding your, your world over. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of questions. Just before we start, Ravi, you and I worked together with Elevar to build some integrations, I don't know, three, four, five months ago, and we had such a good experience with you. It was like we were working with a little startup, truly. Like, I could not believe we were working with Microsoft. So I just want to start off the conversation by saying how great you guys were to work with. Our clients like Clarity. There's a bunch of reasons for that, but it's such a great product. So hopefully anybody who listens tries it that's not using it. Maybe we can start just by you giving us a little bit of background on yourself, and then let's talk a little bit about like the high level that the tool does. Sure. A little bit about me. I've been at Microsoft for over a decade now. Uh, I've been working mostly on Bing search and AI, working a lot on image and video search in my past. And then I started creating a new product called Visual Search, where you can search based on an image. And that got me really interested in computer vision and AI. So I kept working in that space. And we had actually thought about Microsoft Clarity. It was actually initially brought up as an internal product to help us understand how users were using Bing. And at that time, we thought, oh, man, this is so powerful. Why don't we actually allow this to be a a public product for anyone to use? Because we saw so much benefit from it. So that's when we open sourced the code and created a GA product, made it available for everyone. Uh, and launched in October of 2020. So since I think 2021, I started working on Clarity again, and we focused on solving customer pain points around understanding the user's journey on their website. Basically, we found that you know regular analytics like site traffic analytics or just general web analytics give you kind of half of the picture. Like you know, this is how many people that came to your site. This is how many clicks that they do, but you don't really know if those are good page views, if there were good clicks, like was the user doing 20 clicks means a satisfaction or not. And that's where the Microsoft Clarity and behavioral analytics comes in is going beyond those metrics to understand what actually happened that led to those metrics movement. So some of those clicks could have been rage clicks where the user was frustrated with the experience and clicked a lot. And those are the things you want to know as a product owner or website owner to make improvements to your site. So Clarity provides kind of three core functionalities. One is the session replay or session recording experience where you can watch a user's journey across your site, how they interacted. And then you can look at heat maps to give you an aggregate data across multiple users. So if you want to see where there's engagement on the page or where there's not, you use things like a click heat map or scroll heat map to kind of see. And Finally, the other big thing is data can be overwhelming for anybody. 
even if it's visual data, it can become overwhelming over time. So that's why we created a kind of like a simple dashboard with what we call insights to help you find the interesting sessions or interesting heat maps that you should focus your time on. And, and then that kind of rounds out what the Clarity product is overall. Very cool. So let's start with, there's a bunch of interesting stuff you're doing with AI that we, we really want to talk to you about, but let's start with just like the traditional screen recording stuff. Yeah. When I, I used to be a merchant, I got really excited. I installed like a competitor. You guys weren't around. It was a while ago. And I started, I was like, oh, I can watch what the users are doing on the site. But then I kind of ended up with this pile of of recordings, right? Like hundreds and hundreds of recordings and not really knowing what to do with them. I mean, you would watch them and sometimes you'd see something interesting, but for the most part, I think, I don't know how much value I ever got. And I think it's on me. What I'm interested in is like, how do, and remember we're talking to D2C merchants, how do D2C merchants make this information work for them? Like how do they actually pull out valuable stuff from these recordings? Sure, sure. That's a great question. And I think that's the overwhelming aspect of any data-based product or any analytics product that we're trying to solve with clarity as much as possible. For any T2C customer, you know, understanding the user journey is really critical to building a better product and driving more sales, driving more revenue for your business. And, you know, if you were a physical store, you could sit in your store and kind of watch what people are doing, how they're shopping around your store, and you learn a lot. That also is very time intensive, but on the web, it has been very difficult to do something like that. How I think about doing analysis with Clarity is I think about the screen recording aspect or screen replay experience as the atomic level. That, that's the set of sessions you want to watch to understand what happened. But finding those right ones can be tricky, right? So I usually start a little bit higher. So I usually start at either heat maps or our metrics like rage clicks and dead clicks. And it depends on if you have a purpose in mind or if you're looking to just drive improvements to your site in general. So for example, we've seen customers say they're trying to improve their conversion. Okay, so then they're focusing on why people are not adding products to their cart or where they're abandoning checkout. So they're looking at sessions specific to that. So you can filter to those sessions uh, based on like the page URL, or if you're using some of the common schemas for your e-commerce website, then we're able to automatically detect things like checkout abandonment rate and stuff like that. So you can jump into those sessions. So that's one of the easy ways if you know what you're trying to go for. Um, but if you don't know what you're going for and just trying to make general improvements, then heat maps is a great way to start. It gives you an overall view of where people are clicking. A lot of times you see that people are not clicking to the parts that you expect them to. Either it's a design challenge where maybe a button actually looks like, or an image looks like a button. So they click it and expecting it to do something that it doesn't, or they're not scrolling far enough to see the relevant information that you need for them to make a decision whether to buy, purchase a product on your site. That's where scroll heat maps can kind of help you see that. From there, you can actually jump into session recordings that show where particular clicks happen on a heat map. So if you had a particular, like, let's say, add to cart button and learn more button, and you see a lot more people clicking on learn more, well, I can look at session replays of where people clicked on learn more and see what did they do afterwards. They end up actually going back and clicking add to cart or what was the information they were looking for to help. Just throwing in a customer example, 
Pearlie is one of our customers and we have a case study with him. So you can find all the, we have like, I think almost 30 case studies on our website. You can find very easily, but they had the same exact problem. They were trying to figure out why people weren't converting and they sell bubble tea kits. So you can make your own bubble tea at home. So they saw literally that more people were clicking on the learn more button than add to cart. So they actually looked into those sessions. They found that people didn't know how to use this bubble tea kit because it's kind of like a newer concept. So what they ended up doing is just creating a simple GIF of the three steps it takes to make a bubble tea and put it on their homepage before they even asked people to buy this product. And that dramatically improved their sales because now people actually know what it is and they're more informed when they're clicking add to cart. Very cool. So you kind of look at the heat maps as almost like radar for where to dig in further to the screen recordings. You don't Ideally, you don't start just going through screen recordings page after. I got it. I think you guys also have a really cool feature where you can send a bit of JavaScript, like a JavaScript event to mark where you want to start watching. Am I right on that? Yeah, close. So, so we have this uh, concept called custom tags. And custom tags let you kind of pass in your own key value pairs to Clarity. So maybe you have certain data that you want to be able to filter the Clarity sessions with or the dashboard with. So you can pass these values. And there's kind of a variety of use cases. We've seen some customers use it for when they're doing A-B testing. So like a particular variant or a particular cohort of users, they want to tag it so they can go look at those. Or if you're just trying to slice your data by other heuristics that you have, like you know this is a first-time visitor. So you want to tag that to Clarity, then you can filter by that data See, okay, what did the first time users actually do? Before we get into the super interesting stuff, I think maybe just another example of like a D2C merchant who's kind of pulled some insights out of these screen recordings would be really interesting. One of my favorite ones is actually a company called Hello Prenup. They are very interesting. They help couples write a prenup themselves without getting a lawyer involved. Right. It's a very complicated product to, for an average user to understand, right? Anything legal usually is quite confusing in general. So they were really trying to figure out where customers were getting frustrated and stuck. They looked at different parts of our insights metrics, like rage clicks and dead clicks, and they used that as a starting point to jump into sessions and found various cases where people were clicking on parts in the UX which weren't clickable. They had, for example, enter a value and they had just a underlying value, but they actually expected you to answer that value in a separate text input field below. But people kept trying to put it in the underlined part in the question itself. And they also looked at uh, things like dwell time on the page. So where users spent a lot of time on the page, which is could be a bad scenario sometimes, especially in a product where you're trying to help make it easy for people to do a prenup. So they looked at sessions where people were spending a lot of time and they could actually see their mouse moving across text. Some users actually move their mouse as they're reading text. And they found cases where people were moving their mouse back and back over the same sections a lot. And they realized that text was maybe too complicated to understand. So they like simplified that and tried to improve the language itself to make it easy to understand. And those are kind of some of the things you don't normally can get with regular analytics, right? So that's why just watching that user journey really is helpful in that. So that helped them make a bunch of small changes from their perspective, but drove 30% increase in 
in revenue for them month over month. Quick question just to jump in because that you're right. You'll never see that in any analytics tool just unless you're you have crazy click tracking setup or uh, impression type tracking. But what are some of the limitations that you've seen with again, if we just think DTC brands that have hundreds of thousands of visits per day, what are some of the limitations or what would hold them back from really realizing value from session replays, heat map tools, things that you've just described? What are some of those hurdles that they have? Uh, and maybe that'll tee you up to essentially solutions that you'll have coming soon. But just wanted to go through that part as well as, as I think some feedback that I've seen or, or experienced or John experienced of just like, I don't have five hours just to go through and watch all the replays. And so I'd love to, love to hear your perspective on, on that challenge. That's a great question. And it actually leads into some of our cool GPT-based things that we're working on, in fact. And that has kind of been the uber problem for any session replay tool. Right. Anyone in the market, end of the day, you have a limited set of time. So you can only watch, you know, X number of sessions in that time. So people, we've been trying to help people find the right sessions so they can watch only those. So it helps them save the time. Of course, there's all these other use cases of finding interesting sessions that maybe go beyond what we have from metrics. So one of the ways we wanted to do that was to help you find better sessions to watch or kind of go through which sessions matter to you to create a GPT technology into our session experience. So now with one click button, you can actually see the key takeaways from a session that are generated by this generative AI model. And you can then decide if you want to watch the full session or not. And we think this is just the beginning. This has already been helping customers save time. Like there's an hour session some customers want to watch, but they don't have an hour to actually spend that time. Now that quick summary of those key insights helps them decide if they want to actually commit to watching this session. And soon we're thinking and ideating about how to connect some of these key insights to the relevant parts in that session. So this is kind of more future. We don't have this yet, but we're, we're thinking about almost like making a preview version of that session, which just shows the main highlights. So almost like a teaser for the full video. And this would be part of the chat GPT integration, or this is just another general part of the product that is, again, just analyzing all of this data, mounds and mounds of it, and then just servicing the you know five to 10 second preview of a 20 minute session that has the potential to have the most impact for someone to extract insights from. Yeah, it is using the GPT technology to power this experience. Because what we learned very quickly is that GPT is very good at summarizing. Right. It's a language model. It's very good at taking data and then trying to provide concise summaries or translate it in a different language. All of these different language based tasks. It's very good at doing that. So we were able to take like how a session replay event data, feed that into a GPT model. And it's actually then giving it the right prompt is able to produce like, here's the key insights that happened in this session. And this is a feature that we have rolled out to all of our customers now. So anyone can go try this session insights capability. But we're also working on another experience, which is kind of the traditional chat experience with GPT technology. That we believe is for the ability to make data more accessible or what we call data democratization. One of the other pain points we hear from customers besides say, hey, I have not enough time for watching session replays. The second is... I'm usually the maybe the analyst in the team, or if I'm such a small company, I don't really have time to try to figure out what questions I need to ask to find the relevant data. So how can you help me get to my information faster? 
we have a lot of filters and a lot of different metrics for you to slice and dice through, but it can be overwhelming to some customers. So with this chat interface, we're hoping to test out to see how we can take like the traditional analytics and behavioral analytics, feed that into a chat experience so you can have a conversation the same way me and you would about, hey, if we're doing a brainstorming about a particular analysis, we talk back and forth. And in this case, you're talking with an AI system to help find the specific things you care about. How weird is that? So it's basically like you're having a conversation with somebody who watched every single user's interaction on your site. Yeah, in a sense. I'm looking at our Clarity dashboard for our site. How far away are, are we to me just going and asking why was our conversion rate you know down 20% last week? Yeah, so we're probably just a couple weeks away from releasing it to the first set of customers. We're on there, right? <laughs> for sure. We don't have enough data. We're not, at least on our own marketing site, we're probably not hitting that threshold, but sorry, go ahead. We're building all of the Copilot features to be very iterative and get feedback from customers and change because, you know, chat type experiences isn't new. It has been around for years and decades now. Of course, the quality of responses has dramatically improved. So we want to see how well we can do with this and how people actually use it because there's still some problems with chat experience which is that people get sometimes scrolled and it's almost like having a blank word document open you don't know where to start when you're writing something so we want to help push you in the right direction to ask questions that lead you to what you might be looking for and suggest you follow on questions but we treat this as a big experiment to see how well it does and how people are able to generate or gather insights from their data very quickly to me this is the in the world of conversion optimization which is near and dear to my heart and i've spent many many years of my career there this is the thing that i've wanted for so long and even elevar the first version of elevar we started it was trying to automate data analysis we we're ingesting data from google analytics writing a bunch of queries and formulas trying to help us spot check you know green red across the site but i think this is so much more how do you feel this ability of John able to just pull up his clarity dashboard, look at maybe not look at anything, but just have that conversation of, Hey, all right, I want to, here's three questions I'm trying to answer that came up this week when I'm doing my performance analysis. How big of an impact do you think this will have on digital marketers, conversion optimization specialists that they're tasked with improving their funnel or understanding the, or bettering the user experience? I think it'll be huge. I think it really makes it so that anyone can use this analytics product. That's the part about data democratization is so that anyone in the product team can use this data. Right now, you might look at that marketing specialist or conversion rate specialist as the person, and they usually have their bottleneck. They physically only have a couple hours in a day that they can spend on all of this. And the product manager, the developer, the designer, they all have questions they want to get answered from them. And it takes time with chat. We, we open that up and maybe this specialist still helps them guide and understand how to use this chat experience to get the data they want because there is some terminology that associated with like conversion rate for example is a metric and you need to understand what that means and how that works so we see it as a big assist tool for all of these conversion rate optimization marketing specialists and so forth and frees up and starts bringing other members of the product team closer to their data so they can make more informed decisions it's really one of those perfect problems for machine learning, right? Like if you look at what's inside a Google Analytics database, nobody can load all that information into their head and make connections. It's just way too big of a data set. But 
when you can deploy something on it to kind of load it all into its head and then question it. It's really sort of a perfect scenario. I just, I wonder if this is going to happen, how long people will actually be spending time in tools like Google Analytics. If this all works, like we all hope it will, and you can just ask questions. So you have your data set, you do the analysis. There are anomalies that are raised or illuminated through clarity or others but then it's the like the so what it's okay great i know more people are clicking on learn more and going to do x y and z so what what do i do with that do you see chat gbt or other other ais in the future saying okay well great we know if more people are clicking on learn more than what we expect them to here are some things that you can do to mitigate that, create the three second GIF or add an animated video or it's interpreting the data, but then coming up with the answer. So this is going to have the highest probability. So where does that part fit in? That was one of the early limitations that we would see it with even just with our own product is we would surface the problems, but then it was the, okay, great. What do I do with this? I don't, I'm seeing the insights I'm seeing here with what to actually do, what to implement on the site. Yeah, great question. And that's kind of how we internally view the three kind of use cases of chat. One is to just look up, right? I wanted to see how many sessions had rage clicks last week compared to the month before in the India market on a mobile device. And you just ask it that, pulls the right data. Then you have the kind of like summarization or overview or analyze a particular group of data. So you can say something like, okay, can you summarize the top issues I have on my site, right? Or top issues in terms of JavaScript errors on my site and goes and gives you a brief summary of that. Then there's the last one, which we think is like going towards the holy grail towards helping you do what, what to do next is the recommendations. With recommendations, it could be as simple as, hey, we noticed this JavaScript error. Here's some of the ways you can fix this error. Or I'm not getting enough clicks on my add to cart button. What could I do to improve this? And it could suggest you a set of ideas of, hey, why don't you try these experiments or these changes to your site? And we're hoping that this is something people will do with A-B experiments and so forth. So you can get validated data back about how these experiments worked for you. In the long run, this is something my, my kind of wish right now is as this GPT models get smarter and we get better at giving the right prompts, I want it to even look through all of the data to provide broader recommendations that are beyond just the basic things that a specialist might know. So for example, I want it to be able to come out with saying, you know, well, according to your page, 60% of your customers actually scroll to the bottom of the page. Well, maybe you should think about adding an add to cart button there as well as at the top. Second, we see that a lot of users come from a mobile device and your buttons are more on the top region of the page. If you actually put them more accessible to a thumb region, like lower part of the page, maybe it helps make it easier for customers. Like I wanted to start deducing some of these patterns based on UX principles, web development principles, user behavior principles. And that I see is like our long path to get to that holy grail of recommendations. Ravi, what are, are rage clicks and dead clicks just what they sound like? Rage clicks, you're clicking on something that doesn't work. And what's a dead click? Dead click is when you click on something and nothing happens. And that could be because it could be a button that you click on and there's a bug and nothing happened. So that's a dead click. And rage clicks are things where we're trying to detect user frustration. Like we might have all faced this sometime in our lives where we filled out a form, we clicked submit, 
but nothing happens. So I like click, 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 click. We're detecting that as like rage points. And those are things you want to avoid because it shows clear customer frustration. The holy grail that you mentioned, the big thing that obviously you're here much, probably much more than I am, but just hearing with ChatGPT and the need for these like Reddit being able, getting access to the swath of data and forums and everything else that Reddit has in order to put into the model and train the model. How will that work for these UX optimizations? So is there, are there pulling research studies from Baymart Institute or these other UX platforms where again, they've done the research, they have this data that the models I think would need to come up with those recommendations of, hey, make sure your hamburger menu is top left or top right, whatever the the scenario is based on you know thumb placement. Is the model going to be smart enough eventually where they don't need this data set where it's actually, I implemented this test, this test was a winner, therefore this is a, a learning lesson or an insight that could be applied to some future analysis on someone else's site. Yeah, good question. There's multiple ways to go around about it. One is like if the model itself is trained or had access to some of these, you know, UX principles, textbooks, or trustworthy authoritative sources on some of these data, then it would be able to generate some of these suggestions inherently. If not, we could think about adding these as the data set that it needs to look at when it's coming up with recommendations. And that's where a lot of the prompt engineering works. And Maybe just to quickly explain what prompt engineering here it means in the GPT world is a prompt is like the set of instructions you give to the GPT models, and it can have a variety of information in it. For example, what this model should behave as, what are the tasks it should run, what is its limitations, like, for example, don't say anything offensive to a an user. And then you can have a set of tasks that it can try to uh, run. So you can make it say, hey, here's the text. You're a text summarizer service that turns the given text into a tweet or into an Instagram post message. And you can say, okay, now generate a tweet for this and generate an Instagram post message for this. And then that's what the GPT model would do with the given data. And you can use additional data to ground the model. So when you ground the model, what it means is to tell it to use this particular set of information as your reference when making your output. So for example, if you think about how our big brother or sister Bing chat works, it's grounded on the web search results. So if you ask it, what's the fastest animal in the world? Well, it looks at the top Bing results, uses that to ground the model to say, hey, use this data because there could be a newer animal species found and all of these kinds of things. So you have the latest up-to-date information by looking at web search results. Use that as your grounding information. Now try to answer the user's question. And that's when it uses that information to make the output. It's wild. I would assume, are you a pretty big believer that prompt engineering is a new role and it's going to be something that could separate substantially the, the true value that you extract from any of these AI-based tools, including Clarity? Yeah, I definitely believe prompt engineering is a new and difficult task. I don't know if it's a, a role or it becomes something that's part of everyone's role. Because at the end of the day, it is like writing a document. Uh, we're writing in a natural language to tell the model to do something. So I don't see this as a specific skill set that only one yeah. person can know, but I rather would like to see everyone learn this concept. It's just like, how do you write to write a story and stuff? Something you learn in English class, maybe in engineering and computer science, you learn this concept as well. It, it is right now very 
what do you call it, kind of delicate on how you write the prompt. Like if you change the sentence slightly, it could be the model could behave very differently. Like to give you an example, when we were working on our session insights, we tried to ask it, can you try to summarize this session? That generated much, much larger outputs that actually took a long time for us to read to see if the quality was even good. But then if I change it to, can you generate key insights or key takeaways, then it created much shorter outputs. And just that terminology, for a lot of those, we might think it's very similar, but from a model, it will think and behave very differently. And that could be because these models are still nascent in in this, and maybe over time, they become more robust to these kinds of wording changes, or you have a better way to specify what you're looking for. So you guys are calling this Copilot. It's it's Clarity Copilot. Is that the ChatGPT integration? So we call the whole suite of these features as in Copilot in Clarity. Copilot in Clarity. Okay. And lots of Microsoft products have ChatGPT integrated, like Visual Studio Code has it. Yeah. Okay, got it. Just want to get the naming right. I saw that there's a GA4 integration. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, I can give a little precursor of why we even have GA analytics. Um, so when we were first kind of testing the launch of Clarity, we talked to customers and they basically said, oh, do I replace Clarity with Google Analytics? Is that what I should use this for? And we were trying to get them know Clarity does specific things around behavioral analytics and it does really good job at that. We're not trying to replace Google Analytics. In fact, you can use both of these together. And people didn't understand how they could potentially use this. So we said, okay, let's actually launch with this integration available. So one, it reduces confusion around, do I use this or that? Instead, you can use both. So what it means to integrate Google Analytics is once you set up a Clarity project, we have in our settings page, you know, a quick connect with your GA account. And once you do that, there's a couple things that happen. One is into your Google Analytics uh, dashboard, or data set, we pass in a custom dimension, the session playback URL. So you can tie Clarity data to a Google Analytics data point. So that helps customers jump between the two tools. Then the second thing is we learned, you know, GA has been around for a long time now. People have built a lot of segments around it. Segments are a set of filters and groups of filters. So we import those as well. So you can filter by the things that you're familiar with. So that also reduces your onboarding time and makes you quickly get access to the information you're looking for. The second is uh, we've been adding more functionality on top of that, such as importing your Google goals. So if you've set up goals, we extract those. So now you can see the sessions and heat maps where people didn't get to the second goal or the third goal or the third step in your goal. And you can understand why that happened. And we also built a little GA dashboard in Clarity help you so you don't have to jump back between the tools and on different tabs. You can quickly see, okay, here's some of my GA data. Now let me jump into the session replays or use that as filter conditions to slice and dice my Clarity data. Got it. So it's like, let's see sessions where add to carts happened. Yeah. Very cool. I imagine that this is a very expensive tool to use, right, Ravi? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. It's completely free. Wow, Brad, do you do you have anything else you want to chat about? The Holy Grail. When will we get there? Well, that's a hard question to answer. 
we're going to try in stages. Yeah. Right now, focus on making sure people can query and summarize as good as possible. Because if that's wrong, then there's no point in trying to recommend you things because then that's going to be bad as well. But there are some inherent ways that you can already chat with GPT models to get recommendations. So some of those recommendations are there, like we have done in our experiments, like tell me the best way to design my add to cart button. And it comes out with them general set of ideas it has so it has some of those capabilities there but the more longer term i think we also need the technology to improve a bit as well as how much that could be the input to a model a lot of the models are like these gpt type models they have a limitation on the input size of the prompt the prompt can only be so big so that also reduces how much data you can use to ground the model and provide it different tasks as well so as that's already being worked on by various uh, teams inside Microsoft, as well as in the open world about how, in, how to increase that input size so that you can do more things with it. Some of those advances we have to also wait for and catch up with to see some of those holy grail experiences. Do you see a future where we would import additional data sets into Clarity? So think Facebook ad costs, Google ads costs, click IDs where you start to blend into that digital marketing attribution analysis type of tool? I totally can see that happening because I think our kind of North Star mission has always been kind of to make data work for you and really provide an easy way for folks to understand their customers. So we know we're one of the tools you use. You use other advertising business tools. You use other social media tools. And if all of this GPT integrations and chat experience become really powerful and used by customers, then I see no harm in trying to import other data sets and allowing you to do the same thing on top of that. And I think that becomes more, it goes towards our mission anyway. So I see that as something that's in the right direction for us. Awesome. This has been very enlightening. John, any other questions? Or Ravi, anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? Well, the way we build Clarity is with a lot with customer feedback. I think one of the things that John mentioned at the beginning, which was you know, a lot of kind words he said about working with us, is he saw us kind of like a small startup that he was working with, and which is very true. We work very much like a startup in, in a company like Microsoft. So we do a lot of customer meetings ourselves. Uh, we don't have another team that's going out and talking to customers. So, for example, yesterday I was on two customer calls myself, talking and understanding what the customer pain points to see how to build the next set of features. So we're always looking for feedback, both on some of our GPT experiences as well as the overall experience to figure out how we can do this better and how to make our product more useful for customers. So I think that's the biggest thing for us is to connect with customers, understand what are their challenges, and see how to solve them with technology. Do you want us to share your email and uh, flood your inbox? Because <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we could do that. <laughs> we, I mean, we do have our support alias, and there are folks that can tag us on Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram to uh, reach out to us. And I monitor a lot of those myself. So like just before I got on this on this call, I was replying to some customers on LinkedIn about some of the experiences they were having. So you're gonna be hearing from Brad. <laughs> that's for sure. 
Yeah, really. But we, if you need, just gets back to your point about customer feedback. So if you really want us to, I know we have many power users of Clarity, so we're happy to make that connection. And I know they would enjoy it because anything that can make the process of getting automated insights faster is it's going to win for them as well. Yep. And I think just just to toot our own horn a little bit here, I think there is a big benefit in working with Elevar when you're using Clarity, especially with this segmentation stuff, because I'm assuming that you could segment. Can you segment by events? Could you like a swatch click? If we fired an event on that, could you look at screen recordings that only show where that swatch click happened? Yeah. So currently you can use the custom tags to tag a specific session that had this event, but we're working on this feature called smart events. We're going to auto detect various events as well as allow you to pass in through APIs or other routes, new events that you tracking in other systems or other tools, then you can filter by those data as well. Well, exciting stuff. Excited for Copilot. I know everyone will be refreshing uh, their dashboards waiting for that, including myself. Anywhere that you want to direct people to get in touch with you or your team, obviously we'll put a link to Clarity and Copilot in the show notes. Yeah, I would contact uh, or learn about Clarity is going to clarity.microsoft.com and you can reach out to us in through our support, ClarityMS at Microsoft.com if you have any questions or any of our social media handles that are usually Microsoft Clarity, both on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or even TikTok. So you can even see me doing some dances on TikTok if you want. So yeah, feel free to reach out, suggest ideas, suggest, uh, give feedback. Love to hear from you guys. All right, awesome. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or a review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.